Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work today, we are talking about the book, Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Fears, Dying to Your Dreams, and Living Powerfully. We have Jason and David Benham on the show today. These guys are almost HGTV stars, but they're way bigger stars than that. Around the nation, they're known as the guys that had five shows of HGTV recorded, and then they got canceled. But their story is so powerful. David Benham, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. I'm so excited. I hey, feel you like got Jason here too. Oh, I do. Oh, Jason, welcome. Thanks. I, I just was told that only one of you were on. Hey, I read your book, well, and when I, I read it, I felt like I I felt like I know you guys because you guys were so transparent in that book, and and that's why I, I want to introduce you as as Jason and David, so I can see if I can get you guys to fight about whose name gets to go first because you guys are always fighting in the book. <laughs> I thought it was just great. You know, I wonder, well, what we say is if anything. If anything strikes you as odd, it's Jason. If it strikes you as profound, it came from David. Oh, is that what David says? Then, Jason, what do you say? <laughs> I say the empty wagon always rattles the loudest. <laughs> 
Man, working with you guys day in and day out must just be a lot of fun. Hey, I wanted to read this verse of Scripture and then get started with our conversation. Revelations twelve eleven says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And that's really what describes your battle, your lifelong battle to where you guys are today. You've given up a lot of things uh, in order for your faith to flourish and give, be given an opportunity to share that faith. And I really wanted to start up the conversation today with a non-interviewee kind of question. I just want my listeners to hear how two guys who just about became the biggest movie stars, TV stars ever, but yet for Christ, you guys lost that opportunity. How is Jesus Christ making an impact in your life today? David, why don't you go first? Well, it's, it's, it's always fun to follow Jesus until you find out where he's going. He's going to a cross and he bids you come follow me. But Jason and I, you know, we're biblical Christians, and we got fired up at the beginning of your show here just listening to you talk about incorporating your principles of the Bible into the workplace and all of these things. And, and uh, that's, that's who we were. A year ago today, we were two weeks away from beginning filming for our show with HGTV Flip It Forward. We were considered internationally acclaimed entrepreneurs and family guys, and we were selling philanthropically into our cities and very well respected. And within six weeks, we were demonized, vilified, called anti-everything you can imagine, and became these uh, kind of these crazy Christians. At least that's the narrative that was created on us. And so Jason and I realized that, as Christ said in his own words, blessed are you when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you, because they said the same things about me. So when we live out our faith, and we do it in a loving way that's both truthful and loving, then you know what? It's going to stir up the hornet's nest, and we just have to take it like it comes. You know, back in the 70s, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I grew up, I, I was in elementary school in the 70s. They called that, you're a Jesus freak. So you're just being Jesus freaks. So I'm good with that. That's why you're on my show, because if you weren't a Jesus freak, you wouldn't be on my show. All right, so Jason, how about in your life? How is Jesus making an impact on your life today? Well, what we've discovered is that um, God's not here for us. We're here for Him, mm. and we're here to be on His mission. And uh, we know that Satan seeks to rob, to kill, and to destroy us. And But, you know, we rarely ever really think about that. Before He destroys us, He's got to kill us. Before He kills us, He's got to rob us. And one of the things He wants to rob us of is the very thing that you talked about at the beginning of your show and that is our calling as ministers of the gospel on mission wherever he's placed us. We, we have a tendency to define a minister by where he's, play, uh, where he's placed or how he's paid, but we need to wake up the a remnant of Christians to recognize that you're on mission right where you are, wherever you, you're placed and however you're paid. So that's kind of what uh, God is doing in us. We want to awaken the hearts of entrepreneurial people, folks in the workplace, as to who they are as Christians and ministers. Well, how do we do that? Because we've got a radio show here in Tampa Bay. It reaches about 4 million people. It doesn't Not enough 4 million listeners. That would be really cool. But it reaches an area where 4 million people live. And there's just a couple other workplace ministry radio shows 
scattered barely across the country, and there's all these great organizations. I got your connection from Oz Hillman, a good friend of mine. I'd also read it in an article. I mean, I saw your, your when your book came out, my wife works in a Christian bookstore. She had it on the shelves. I mean, so I heard about it from lots of different places, but how do we get this to be a nationwide movement that's not just a thousand different organizations challenging people? How about getting a thousand organizations to work together as one? Kind of like as you described your huge retaining wall destruction. That was the most incredible testimony that you guys gave in the book. And, and again, I'm giving away. That's one of those things. But if you could get, you know, there were probably 15,000 blocks in your wall, but that's what in the body of Christ, if the wall was built right, if we were all working together, the wall would never collapse. Yet we find our organizations, everybody's got their own little territory. Nobody wants to work together. How do we get the message out to churches and Christians in the business that their faith applies to no matter what people do? Well, when, when this is David speaking, and one of the key elements about us rebuilding our wall, it cost us a million dollars, which was just devastating to us. We didn't have the money at the time, but we had to start with deconstructing the old wall and then digging a proper foundation. And you know, in some locations, when we were building our wall, it was crazy. We dug down 20 feet to the bedrock before we actually could start laying the, the uh, foundation blocks, and it was six months before you even saw the first block coming out of the ground. And we need to get back to the roots of Christianity, go back to first century Rome, where they didn't have all these organizations, they didn't have all this great technology around them, they didn't even have a Bible, for heaven's sakes, but they, people began to get radically saved as the Apostle Paul and various other of the disciples and, and other early Christians were evangelizing, and they were living out their faith in the workplace. And you know, when Paul wrote Ephesians and Colossians, he's writing to the church in Ephesus and the church in Colossae, He's actually speaking. He said, work for the Lord and not as unto man. Even, he said, even when you work for a supposed person of faith, you don't just, uh, you're not, they're not doing favors for you and you're not doing favors for them, but you work for the Lord. And I'll tell you what, it's generational. And a few hundred years later, I mean, the entire Roman Empire said, hey, Christianity is the one religion. This is, this is phenomenal stuff. I mean, it was countercultural. So, we live in a microwave society today, and we want everything immediately. But I believe when Christians, when we all just decide, everyday guys like us and our wives and, and our kids, we decide to live for Jesus Christ wherever our feet go. In a generation or two, we'll have it all back. Now, you said we live in a microwave world, but you missed the punchline. But we serve a crockpot God. And I'm sure... But, oh, oh, well, I like that. No, that's not my own. Buck Jacobs with C12, that was his line, but that's where I got it from. But, you know, I, I and you guys, I'm sure you got, know all about crockpots. You guys got all these kids, so I'm sure your wives are crockpotting all the time, especially when all of you lived under one roof. Unbelievable. I can't believe you guys didn't kill each other. It's amazing. How did your your dad, you guys wrote very fondly of your father in the book, and he played a huge influence on your life. How did he weave the Bible into your lives? Well, what we say, this is Jason speaking, what we say is, especially with kids, that some things are better caught than taught. And we go all over and speak and tell folks that leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you. Every morning of our lives, while we were under our parents' roof, we found our dad either on his knees in front of the couch praying, or he was sitting on his ugly little green stool in his kitchen reading the Bible. And, uh, and you know what? That created an appetite in David and I for the exact same thing. And as we began to dive into God's Word and to pursue Him through prayer and just really going after God for our own personal relationships, 
we had an appetite for him, and, and that appetite has only grown since then. And so, by God's grace, our parents really modeled that for us. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like, and you guys communicated that so so well in your book. And I don't just want to tell this. I, I'm, I read a hundred books a year maybe and very few of them reached to my top 10 your book was transparent it was vulnerable it was real and it's applicable and it was really a great story and there's so many lessons i mean your your italicized points that's what i'm going to talk about in the second half of the show after you guys go there's so much in there i'm so excited i got four copies your publisher sent me four copies to give away today it is a fantastic book how you know did you have this in the wings when the HGTV thing was coming on, or did you write it after that thing yeah. blew up? How did that happen? We were, this is David speaking, we were already writing. We've, we've been in the Scripture since we were 18 years old, so we're almost 40. This year we'll be 40, and so we've been in the Bible for 20-plus years, and lots flowing out of us, especially building several companies for a decade, and, and a lot of, we see biblical principles being worked in the, in, out in the marketplace. So we started writing, and we were talking about dying to our dreams of making it to the major leagues, which we never made it. And, and how do you die to your dreams yet still pursue them with your feet? You hold them with an open hand and all of these other principles. And so when HG came to us and actually made us an offer, we pivoted the book and thought, oh, wow, this is going to be even better. Now we've got a bigger dream than the major leagues. But then HG fired us, and so we pivoted the book again. And we started talking about this whole dynamic of living for Christ, whatever the cost. And, and we talk, and, you know, the real persecution is taking place overseas right now, but we have pressure here in America that's going to transition into persecution very quickly if we don't decide to live for Jesus, whatever the cost. So the book was already in a, in making, but then I believe God got the message out that he wanted, and he did it through us getting fired by HGTV. So here's a question you didn't answer in the book. And again, this, this is an aside, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question, but okay, see, when HGTV canceled it, but TLC had been battling with you for the show and HGTV won. Did you ever go back to TLC and say, hey, we could do the show for you because HGTV said no? Did you ever... That was Well, you know... You, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's that's okay. Go ahead, Jason. That was, that's a great that's a great question. We had a lot of people ask us that, but it was a production company that, mm. that um, was the one that first found us, and so we we talked with the production company and told them, "Look, guys, I mean, obviously you had five networks that were fighting over us. You can just take us to another one." And uh, and you know what? This production company is owned by a Christian guy, and he had emailed us about three days before we got fired and said, guys, you know, take your place on the wall just like Nehemiah. Don't come down. Continue to stay true to who you are. Two days after we got fired, I got an email from him saying, guys, we got to distance ourselves. Your image is toxic. And that was it. <laughs> wow. And so for David and I, we felt strongly we did not need to go out and market ourselves to anybody, that we just needed to go and be faithful to take down this Goliath in the best way that we could. And that Goliath for us was the spiritual agenda to silence. Right. No, and that's awesome. And it's tough. You know, that that guy will someday come back and regret that decision as the Lord works on his heart. But you guys, uh, it's created so many more open doors that you didn't expect because of that notoriety. Because I was talking, I was at Clearwater Christian College this afternoon, and I mentioned that you guys were coming on my show today. And they're like, oh, those are the guys that were on HDTV and then didn't get the show. I've heard all about them. This is a random conversation. So, And this is a guy that runs operations at Clearwater Christian College. So you... You are known. It's amazing. So here's what I want to know, because I know we're running out of time. How did you learn to incorporate your faith so deeply into your business life? Because your dad was a pastor. He wasn't a business guy. Who taught you? How did you learn it? Because I, I, you didn't learn in a church more than likely, did you? 
I want to give you, this is David speaking, I want to give you one statement that you read in the book probably a few times that our dad said to us that really stuck with us. And he said, if your theology is not your biography, then your theology is worthless. Um, We were taught to study the Scripture and that God is sovereign over all of life. Our Christian faith is not relegated down to a a one-hour church service on Sunday morning, but it's a comprehensive worldview that provides questions, I mean, excuse me, answers to all of life's most difficult questions. So we love studying Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry once said, where there is no principle, though there be a profession, we cannot expect perseverance. So if we're going to persevere in the marketplace, or as husbands, or as wives, or as uh, citizens of a country, we have to have principles embedded into our lives, and those principles are biblical truths that are applied to all life situations. So we read the Bible as a living, breathing book that applied to every area of our life. And you know what? As we got older and we began to mature in the faith, uh, it really just, it, it has and continues to greatly impact every inch of our lives. Well, and, and it's like asking, uh, how, do you, how do you incorporate blinking into your day? Well, you just do it. It just happened. Blinking and breathing. One of those things God just worked out. It's incredible. You know, on a, on a future show, when you guys aren't so busy with all this media stuff, I really want to talk about your declaration of a national spiritual emergency and what happened in Charlotte, because that deserves a whole show. Because what you guys accomplished there, getting all of those churches to work together, was an amazing act of God. No other explanation. Because getting churches to work together under a common premise is such an amazing movement of God. It's the only way to explain it's what Jesus said. You'll know me, know me by the unity that is created. We'll know that when you guys are unified, that's when they'll know you're my followers. Here, here's my last question. Uh, on this show, my wife and I, every Tuesday, talk about how our business affects our marriages and affects our children, because you can't be a great business guy if your marriage is a mess or your kids are screwed up, because your number one calling, your number one ministries to your wife, your number one mission fields to your children, your business falls behind all of those. So you guys have, between the two of you, nine children. You've been married for all these years already how what is the biggest what's the biggest daily challenge to your faith with all of that on your plates that and how many employees do you guys have well uh we've got 13 companies uh internationally but we've got some great managers in place total employees maybe 500 um but we we have great managers in place and you know jesus taught us the principle of of delegation and and replicating himself into a team of disciples who then went out and changed the world. And so that's essentially what David and I have done with businesses. And we learned all of that, the ability to scale and, and excellence in our systems and processes. We learned all of that through the scriptures. So our, our one goal was to create margin in our lives through our businesses. So in doing that, and then with the margin that we had, we took that and poured it into our families. And God has been definitely glorified, and we've been blessed. You got, I got 30 seconds left with you. What's one thing you want this listening audience to hear about how you af- apply your faith to your workplace each and every day? Well, well, we say, go ahead, David. Don't fight. Don't no, fight. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I, seriously. I was going to say, this is, this is Jason. We, when, when asked, how do you integrate your faith in your workplace? We say the very fact that we think of, of integrating our faith is proof that there is a dichotomy that exists that shouldn't be there. Uh, we are who we are. We are human beings, not human doings. All we have to do 
is let Jesus out, let his life out wherever we go, the, the workplace, our family, and, and it all right, listen, I, we've got David and Jason Benham on the, on the phone. They've been with us. They've just come out with this book, Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Fears, Dying to Your Dreams, and Living Powerfully. Jason and David, thank you so much for being part of the I Work For Him show. Just remember us down here in Tampa Bay. You guys want to do something nationally, pull me in. Well, let's, 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 let's conquer the nation for Jesus. I'm all about it. Thank you so much for your testimony and the consistency of your witness across the country. Thanks to, thanks to both of you. Thanks, bro. Thanks thank to you. you. All right, we just got done talking with two celebrities that are in high demand. I don't usually get those kinds of celebrities in super high demand on my show, but these guys wrote an incredible book, Jason and David Benham. They wrote a book, Whatever the Cost. And then it says, the line under that is, Facing Your Fears, Dying to Your Dreams, and Living Powerfully. This was a great book, really a great book. Biography by twin brothers Jason and David as they share their story as as their pastor father raised them up twin boys all twin uh, all boy and all twin uh, fighting and, and and growing up with each other competitors and cooperation all along with the, each other both of them making it to the major leagues in, in in minor league ball but in major league spring training and then that dream dying for both of them and then going into business together having some major issues that helped shape their uh, just shape uh, well adversity that shaped who they were that God took them from who they were to who he could use and they now run 13 companies have 500 employees it was great and I, as reading this book it was just such an encouragement so I had lots of things in the book that I wanted to share with you in this second half but we still have two more copies of this book to give away and after I after I start reading some of the stuff out of you are going to go oh I want to get a copy of that but I only have two more copies to give away the, the publisher gave me four I gave away one today at Clearwater Christian College we've already given one away to Shannon thank you for calling in from Largo we've got two more copies so just from page 17 of the book it said in there your greatest weakness is often an overextension of your greatest strength. Your greatest weakness weakness is often an overextension of your greatest strength. I, I love that. That has been my life. My mouth has always been my greatest strength. I can talk. I can sell. I, I, obviously, I can do a little bit of radio, but it always got me in trouble because I would say, I would you know think after I spoke. I would, as my friends say, shoot, fire, aim. No, shoot, aim. What, what, I, don't, I don't do it in the right order. Whatever it is, fire, shoot, aim. Something like that. It, it's out of the order. All right, so but your greatest weakness is often an overextension of your greatest strength. So in other words, a lot of times it gets to our head and, and it works against us. And that is something that's so true. These guys, this book is so transparent. Here's what Jason and David's dad was a, was a pastor. And, and here it says in, in the book, Dad looked over at us and said, Every job is sacred. Every job is worthy of your best effort. No matter what the job is, you make it the best you can and turn it into something people are cheering about because your effort inspires them. That's what we're talking about each and every day at the end of the show when I say, would you please join the I Work Ram Nation and be the best and brightest example of somebody in your position in your workplace? 
They said it in this book. It's so powerful. Every job is worthy of your best effort. No matter what the job is, you make it the best you can and turn it into something people are cheering about because your efforts inspire them. In fact, I think I'm going to add that to the opening of the show. I think that would be great, Ivan. All right. It also says, you know, as in there, it said, our work becomes worship when we do it with all of our might for the glory of God. And it's where our work and worship combine. In Hebrew, it's all one word. It's workship, or the word avodah. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, you pastor people out there. I don't know any Hebrew. But our work becomes worship when we do it with all of our might. That is so powerful. And that's what we're trying to challenge people to do. Recognize that your work is worship. That you work in a mission field for God each and every day. And everything about you, because of Christ's work in you, is changing. And allow people to see that. Allow that work in you to inspire others. Again, call into the studio line if you want to get a copy of this book. The name of the book is Whatever the Cost, 855-265-2929, Turn on the pages to a couple more pages. It says, leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those you lead. The question is, what kind of appetite are you creating? You leaders out there, people that are running your own businesses, or you're a manager, or a supervisor, or the owner of a business, or a president, leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those you lead. But what kind of appetite are you creating in them? You know, a lot of times we just get, we get skewed by the world. The world tells us that money and fame, those are really important things. But, you know, when we become a Christ follower, we recognize that those things don't really matter. When we die, we don't take any of them with us. We're all on a level playing field. It doesn't matter if you're the richest bazillionaire in the world. You know, we could, we could have a Microsoft founder in the office here, Bill Gates, and, and he's worth $74 billion or $75 billion, whatever it takes, you know, and I'm worth not that much. And we sit in the room before Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about our net worth because it's all paper. And it's in stocks. Remember, God paves the roads. The asphalt he uses in heaven is gold. So all the stuff we think is really important, in heaven he paves roads with it. So it's not important. Of course, that's a much purer kind of gold. So the leadership that you're providing in your workplace, does it create an appetite in those you lead for Jesus? An appetite to find out what drives you, to what, what causes you to be different than the leaders they've served before? That's a question we need to all be asking. You know, David's father, David and uh, uh, Jason's father and their mother decided to uh, send these, the boys, uh, David and Jason Benham, to Liberty University. And Jerry Falwell once spoke at one of the chapels they were at, and they wrote it in the book. It said, Dr. Falwell himself said, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. And one of our shows in early April is with Dr. Jim Harris coming up with To a Higher Level. We're going to talk about how our products should be the best products. If we're a Christ follower, we should sell the best products. We should deliver the best product. We should provide the best customer service. We should be providing the best workplaces in America to work. People shouldn't be running away from us because we say we're a Christian, and then we act opposite of that. Our, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. 
I think that's just so powerful. I just love when he says it. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. You know, on page 58 in the book, they, they just this is this is a lesson I'm still learning. And I'm just kind of walking through some of these concepts because there's so much stuff in here. And, and there's just so much stuff. You need to get a copy of this book and you need to read it. Whatever the cost by David and Jason Benham. This is a fantastic, transparent story of two boys growing up and learning to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, no matter what the cost was and they lost a huge tv deal because they stood up for jesus and wouldn't compromise they wouldn't compromise they wouldn't compromise all right it said in there when god gives you something you must hold it with an open hand otherwise if he decides to remove it he'll have to pry your fingers loose holding your dreams with an open hand requires that you focus on the god of the dream and not the dream that God gives. How many of us get a dream and we hold on it so hard that when God says, no, I've got something better for you, you're like, no, but Lord, I don't want to let go of this dream. I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I don't want to go back to Kansas. I like it in Oz. He's like, let go of the dream. No, I don't want to let go. No, let go of the dream. No, I don't want to let go. Let go of the dream. And finally, we prize it out. It just, a lot of times, the adversity that is required to pry it out of our hands causes us to go through some painful circumstances. We need to we need to we need to be willing to die to our dreams. And then they went on the next page. It said dying to our dreams is only possible when we focus on the person of God and not the purposes, promises, or platforms he gives us. By focusing on the person, we sit loose to how, when, and where his purposes, promises, or platforms are given or taken from us. Let me just read that again. Dying to our dreams is only possible when we focus on the person of God and not the purposes, premises, promises, or platforms he gives us. By focusing on the person, we sit loose to how, when, and where his purposes, promises, or platforms are given or taken from us. This gives us the ability to live power, powerfully for God especially through trials. And that's what we talk about. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what you do. God can use us for his glory and his honor no matter where we are. And this book just says it so well. You got to get a copy of this. I still got two copies. Is anybody out there today? If you're out there today, call in and get a copy of this book. Even if you don't need it, even if you want to read it, get it and give it to one of your best friends because this book is going to inspire them to lead and love Jesus like they've never done before. Not to mention, you know, the Bible should do that. But on top of the Bible, this is a great read. 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. All right, we talk about pride. And these guys had every reason to be prideful. They were baseball stars. They were, I mean, they were baseball stars in college. They were baseball stars in the, in the minor leagues, in spring training. And then God took it away from them. And they... You know, here's what they said about pride. You'll know your motive for you'll know you will know your motive by how you respond when someone notices that you're doing what you're doing. Do you swell with pride or are you graced with humility? When the motive is pure, it's always graced with humility. You will know your motive by how you respond when someone notices you're doing what you're doing. Do you swell with pride or are you graced with humility? When the motive is pure, it's always graced with humility. When the motive is pure, it's always graced with humility. When you're doing it for your own glory, your own honor, and somebody compliments you, 
It swells you with pride. But when you're doing it for God's glory, you don't want the recognition. That's not what it's all about. That's what these guys wrote this book about. It's just an amazing story of how God used adversity in their lives to take them from who they were to who he could use today with 13 companies giving glory to God and employing 500 people. That's a fantastic story. And they've got nine children between the two of them, two great marriages, and and they've got some stories to tell. It's just really, really great. They also said, when the price to follow my dream was more than I was willing to pay, it was time to let go. Idolatry. Anything that impedes or impairs God's number one position in my life, it moves in pretty quickly if I'm willing to pay anything to chase my dreams. I mean, so many of us struggle with idolatry. So many of us struggle with with the dream to do whatever we're going to do. And this is powerful. These guys had every right to be prideful. They had every right to, to live it. They're living the dream. They're baseball stars. How many of you wanted to be baseball stars? Everybody who's a little, well, really, everybody who's a little boy growing up throwing a baseball, we all want to be baseball stars. We're playing sandlot baseball all the time, playing pickle in the middle. Yeah. One of the biggest dangers for men is to find their identities and what they do as opposed to who they are. Another great one from this book. One of the biggest dangers for men is to find their identities and what they do as opposed to who they are. When what you do defines you, then your career longings will naturally pull you away from God and from those he's given to your care. God has given us a career to take care of the people underneath of us, next to us, alongside of us, above us, to be a light form. It's not what we do, it's who we are. But as Christians, we can rest in the fact that we are not defined by the jobs we hold in our hands. We are defined by the one who holds us in his hands. This book, I've just read you like five paragraphs out of this book. This book is so full of fantastic one-liners in order to get our attention on how God's working in our lives, in our jobs. Call in. Still got a copy to give away? 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. All right. They said they have five principles that they live by. And they talked about these five principles uh, in the book. Uh, no, nah, I'm not going to move on. Let, let's just let's just talk about taking credit. For us to take credit for building, this is Jason and David Benham talking. For us to take credit to building a successful business would be like a shovel taking credit for digging a hole. <laughs> I love that line. Jason and David said this: For us to take credit for building a successful business would be like a shovel taking credit for digging a hole. How many of you take credit for incredible things that God has used you to do? When really it had nothing to do with you, it had all to do with God. I sat down and talked with, I stood up and talked to about 20 students from Clearwater Christian College today, and it's amazing the faith in these young students that are graduating from college and how God is working in their lives, and they recognize that as they've been given the privilege to have a Christian college education, they know that their next step is to wait on God to provide them the right job opportunity, and all they have to do is be faithful and searching for it. So for us to take credit for building a successful business would be like a shovel taking credit for digging a hole. I have so many friends who think it's all about them, that their business is their success, and it's all to their credit. Shame on you. If you're a Christ follower, everything you do, it's all for him. And taking credit for your successful business is like a shovel taking credit for digging a hole. Hey, I we talked in the first half of the show today with Jason and David Benham, who are two famous brothers who are about ready to do Flip It Forward on HGTV. 
And then HGTV canceled it because they stood up for Jesus and wouldn't compromise the character that God raised them to have. And so the show got canceled and they got rejected by their producer and all for God's glory. They had already been writing a book. Their book came out, whatever the cost. Facing your fears, dying to your dreams, and living powerfully. This is a great book. And we've been highlighting the second half of the show because the first half was the interview. Those guys can only give me, you know, 20-some minutes because they're famous. So I wanted to highlight their book because it's got so many powerful pieces. And I've been highlighting the last 20 minutes. If you missed it, get a copy of this book, whatever the cost. I still got one more copy to give away, 855-265-2920. All right. Talking about the church or about work first, a fundamental flaw that has characterized the followers of Jesus Christ is that we have separated our careers from our worship. I don't think it occurred to many Christians that God has strategically positioned them in their current vocation to affect their culture for him. Wow. Let that sink in. God has placed you. That's I got that idea in my opening. Hey, your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. These guys wrote it too. They just said it differently. It's so powerful. So powerful. You know, they also talked about the church because the church is in trouble. The church is in danger of becoming irrelevant. Not the church body of Christ because Christ is supernatural. But the church in the buildings, the church that has the narrow vision that it's a sanctuary for people instead of an equipping place. We need to take the mission of I Work For Him back into our churches and encourage our pastors that, hey, we need to be equipped to go into the workplace each and every day. Jason and David wrote this in their book. We realize that if church is a destiny, Destination, then attendance was paramount. But if church is a body, then being a church is paramount. We need to be the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America and around the world. Our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are doing it better than us. They're living it, breathing it. It's not the building, it's the body. We need to be that church. And in that church, we need to bring the church to the workplace. No, we're not going to sing worship songs there. Well, maybe you do. But we're bringing Jesus there because Jesus offers hope. Jesus offers grace. Jesus offers mercy in a world that has no hope, no grace, no mercy. That's what we need. And if you don't know Jesus, if you think Jesus is all about religion, then you've missed the Jesus that I worship each and every day. You missed the Jesus that came and said, listen, I'm coming to die for you so you can have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, which is what you were designed to have. And in order to do that, we need to get your sin out of the way. So I'm going to die for your sin. Then I'm going to raise myself from the dead so that you can know I'm all powerful and that I've conquered death. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came, and that's what impacted the Benham brothers so much. That's why they wrote this book, and I'm so thankful that they came on the show for the first half and shared from their hearts. And there's so many more. I still had 17 points I wanted to share from the book, but we're out of time. We need to really start closing on the show because I hardly ever get to put out the challenge, but I'd like to thank Al from Tampa for calling in and uh, getting a copy of the book. We'll get the books out to Al and Shannon sometime tomorrow or the next day. You know, tomorrow... Is a new day. When we go back into the office, we've got an opportunity to make an impact for Christ. I would like you to become part of the I Work For Him Nation. I'd like you to go on the website, the I Work For Him website, and click on Contact Us and say, Jim, I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. I want to start praying for my coworkers and employees. I want to start learning how to reach out to them outside of the workplace so that I can befriend them and show them that me as a Christian 
It's the life that they should lead. I want to be one of those people that says, I'll start looking for ways to pray with my coworkers and employees in the office. I want to be one of those people that will be the best and brightest example in the workplace. I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation and live a consistent witness at home, in my neighborhood, in my office. I recognize that no matter what I do or where I do it, I represent Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to be. I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. Please go onto the website, click on Contact Us, or subscribe, or go onto Facebook. I Work For Him is the name of our site on Facebook. And let us know you want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. No, there's no T-shirt yet. I'm sorry. We'll get T-shirts out later this year. But there's no T-shirt yet, but I'm working on that. Martha, are you listening? You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.